Bumblebee, the first of the season, droned into our herb garden and threshed the air in front of us. Its wings glittered. I shook my head. It's dreadful, I said. I can't tell anyone else, Aunt Alice said. If people found out, there would be terrible trouble. You do understand that. Will you and Grace and Tom be all right? I asked. Lady Alice closed her eyes, which are the colour of ripe hazelnuts, and breathed deeply. Then she opened her eyes again, smiled, and stood up. I must go. We'll be dark before we get back to Gortonor. My aunt took both my hands between her small hands and kissed me on the right cheek. Then she turned and hurried out of the herb garden. I wish there had been more time to tell Lady Alice about how Merlin disappeared from the top of Tumber Hill and I wish I could have asked her whether she knows anything about my father's plans for me. What I hope with all my head and heart is that he means me to be a squire, and that he will send me away into service. Nothing in my life matters as much to me as this. My mother says I'm clean enough to come back into the house, but I can still smell the manure. My little sister Shan says she can too. You stink, Arthur, she keeps shouting. This afternoon my brother Searle and I went over to the yard wearing our mail shirts and carrying lances. Three times round, said Searle, and this time no shortcuts. There's a track right round the yard and it has five obstacles. There are two ditches, one shallow and one really deep with steep sides, and that's the muddy one. There's a low hurdle made of wattle and a gravel pan that's almost always full of water. And worst of all, there's an upright ladder with nine rungs and big gaps between them. You have to climb up one side and down the other. It's difficult to run round the track wearing a mail shirt. And when I'm carrying a lance as well, unless I'm holding it exactly right, it drags behind me or swings in front of me or the point sticks into the ground. I started to sweat before we reached the starting post. Searle smiled his curling smile. You're useless at this, he said. How much start do you want? None, I said. Because I'll beat you anyhow. Stop it, Searle, I shouted. What stopped Searle was a distant roar, then a scream and yells. The fallow field, said Searle. Quick! We pulled off each other's male shirts and ran. What harelip was looking over the hedge into the fallow field? So were Giles and Joan and Dutton, holding their scythes and twig brooms. Then I saw for myself. Somehow both our bulls had got into the same field, and Gatty was standing between them. She was talking to Harold, our old bull, and her curls jumped and danced like impatient water. "'Come on, Gatty!' shouted Dutton. "'Come out!' Harold ignored Gatty. He was glaring at Bryce, our other bull, and Bryce was glaring at Harold. Both bulls roared and began to scrape the ground. Then they charged at each other. Their horns clashed, and they rushed past each other so that Gatty was left standing between them again. Look! cried Joan. Harold's got a rip over his right shoulder! Gatty! shouted Watt Harelip. Wait for your father! Dutton, go and find him! Dutton barreled off across the green, calling for Hum. Blanken should be in here herding the cows, said Watt. Our whole herd of cows was standing well out of harm's way, misty-eyed and mooing, 
jostling each other, stamping and farting. Gatty turned her back on Bryce and held up her father's maroon jacket, the one my father gave him on the day he appointed Hum Reeve of Caldicott Manor. Harold lowered his horns and charged, and everyone gasped, but at the last moment Gatty stepped to one side. Harold drove one of his horns right through the jacket, then he shook his head and tossed it away. Gatty picked it up and ran after Harold and twenty paces beyond him. "'What's she up to?' asked Giles. "'She's drawing him away from Bryce,' I said. But Bryce came charging up behind Harold and butted him in the rump. Harold roared to heaven, and I saw that Gatty would never be able to separate the beasts on her own. "'So,' I said in a low voice, "'we must help.' "'It's not your duty,' Searle replied. "'And it's not my duty.' "'I know,' I said. "'But I have to help Gatty.' "'Field work,' said Searle contemptuously. "'Squires and pages don't tangle with bulls.' "'Squires and pages are young bulls,' murmured a voice at my shoulder. "'Aren't they?' "'Merlin!' I cried. "'Gatty needs us!' I felt the flat of Merlin's hand in the small of my back, gently encouraging me. "'I will, then,' I said loudly, and I ran along the hedge to the stile and into the fallow field. "'Careful, Arthur!' yelled Wat Harelip. "'God's bones!' I ran straight into it, a sloppy pool of first-day dung. I slithered, I slipped and fell flat on my back. Harold at once trotted over to have a closer look. Lying on my back, I saw the strings of saliva hanging from his mouth and the points of his horns. Then Gatty came running past him. "'Get up!' she panted. She pulled me to my feet, and at once Harold lowered his head. I closed my eyes. I heard the thunder, and when I looked again, Harold had charged right past us, and Watt, Harelip, and Joan, and Giles, and Merlin were clapping and cheering. "'Now get out!' shouted Gatty. "'No!' I yelled. Gatty looked at me with her river-green eyes, and they were shining. "'Come on! You come out!' I said, and I clutched at Gatty. "'Keep your hands off me!' said Gatty, grinning. Then she looked at her father's jacket. She found the tear Harold had made, pulled it apart, and ripped the whole jacket in two. "'You do Harold,' she said. "'Keep him in this corner. I'll do Bryce.' I walked towards Harold slowly. His right shoulder was bleeding and his eyes were bloodshot. "'Come on then, Harold. You coming?' I did what I'd seen Gatty do. I flexed my knees. I raised the jacket and waved it, and as Harold ran at me, I stepped to one side. I could hear more clapping and cheering and shouting from the hedge. "'Again! Go on, Arthur!' Gatty, meanwhile, made short work of Bryce. I saw her draw him across to the far side of the field, and then she waved him right into the bullpen. As soon as she had closed the gate, she ran back to join me. "'Come on!' she gasped. But now that Bryce was in the bullpen, Harold completely lost interest in Gatty and me. He snorted and turned away. Gatty and I staggered across to the stile. Why were they both in the field together? I fenced the pen wrong, said Gatty. Bryce barged out. My father will be furious. And mine, I said. Gatty was right. First Hum cuffed Gatty's right ear. Then he grabbed Dutton's twig broom, told Gatty to bend over and thrashed her six times. Slowly and stiffly she stood up, and she looked at me. 
Her eyes were glistening. I could tell Hum was minded to say something to me as well, but he must have thought better of it. I told Arthur not to, Searle said. I told him. As soon as I walked into the house, my mother ordered me straight out again. Go on, she yelled. Into the moat. Wash yourself all over, you horrible dung beetle. That's just like my mother. She's Welsh, and she often sounds much more angry than she really is. I took off all my clothes, and Shan and Tanwin, my mother's chamber servant, came out of the house with a whole pot of soap. Wash your hair, Tanwin called out. Wash yourself all over. Searle has told me what happened, said my mother later. He doesn't even know, I said indignantly. I'll tell you. I've heard quite enough, said my mother. Your father will talk to you tomorrow. Sir says you left your lance and mail shirt in the yard. Run and bring them in before dew falls. From all this writing, my left hand aches. Our priest Oliver says my father wants me to have a good writing hand and that I must practice for one hour each day. When I asked him what I should write, he replied, we read in the book each morning, don't we? Today it was Abner and Nair and Ishbosheth and Joab and Asahel, who was as light on his feet as a row. You must copy out your reading. I don't want to write about Abner and Nair and Ishbosheth and Joab and Asahel, especially not in Latin. I want to write my own life here in the marches, my own thoughts which keep changing shape like clouds. I'm thirteen, and I want to write my own fears and joys and sorrows. I can hear snoring down in the hall. That would be my grandmother.